conjecture going on man i'm just like it's it's nuts we're gonna have to definitely talk more about this hello and welcome <laughs> to red raccoon radio your source of tapes about gaming news in bloomington illinois and waka beyond waka. i'm your host john and with me today is jamie man like rock on like like it's groovy He's got a different personality every time we start one of these. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, normally you know that I like to start this podcast by catching little snippets of our conversations. Because as you know, Jamie and I, we're, we're the type of people who like to talk. We like to catch up whenever we're about to start the podcast. And we weren't able to do that today because we actually were going into a deep dive of Lorcana lore. So much so that both of us have just sit in silence for about five to ten minutes trying to read through this amazing article that we're going to get to later on in the podcast. but Like, what in the, go- what in the Jesus just happened, man? We've had one release and previews of the second release, and already there is... I don't even know how long that article Like, was. is that fanfic, or is that just really what's going on? I don't know, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it here in just a little bit. But, first of all, let's, uh, let's chat. Let's talk about... How was the story last week, Jamie? You know what? I think we're finally cresting the flu curve. We have, I think I talked about it last podcast too. We've had a rough go of it with just everybody catching. There's this flu rolling through town right now, and it's just been wrecking havoc, man. Mm-hmm. We, we've had six days since Gen Con. So August 4th, whatever that was, right? The last day of Gen Con. We have had six days since Gen Con. Typhoid Con. Yeah, with everybody making it to work. Nobody calling out sick for a shift. And there's, you know, we had one case of COVID, but mostly it's been strep and the flu. And, and I went down too. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not immune. I'm not alone in this, but it's just going around. And man, it's just been rough. I was sitting with Chance last night and we both remarked that uh, we were the only ones we think who have not gotten sick that worked at Red Raccoon for like the past month and a half. And of course, immediately I knocked on every single piece of wood I could find because we were calling down bad vibes. I could feel it. Oh yeah. That's just like asking for trouble, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, so it's been rough. We, um, we had a good week overall though. We got a lot of stuff done. We got, we've got so many new games that are hitting cause it's mm-hmm. like the, you know, we showed off the games at Gen Con. Now we got to get all the games out and get them into the stores and prep for the Christmas season because it's barreling down at us. And yep. so lots of new games came in. Um, we're working on decorating and stuff and planning for uh, the new, for the ribbon cutting, October 12th, um, which everybody listening to this is invited. Please Tim, do. you're invited too, even if you live in Colorado. <laughs> and, uh, it's you know we're just trying to get everything ready and it's 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 like we're we're getting ready to go into October. We want to pimp the store out a little bit for some Halloween stuff, but at the same time, all the planning right now is all Christmas planning at this right. point. So, woo! <laughs> the fun time of retail season. Yeah. Um, actually, in the store though, I've been seeing some new upgrades and changes. I see that you're getting some more artwork up, uh, slowly but surely. Yeah, it it it. If you want to 
make it look good, it takes longer than you think it would be trying to, you know, like I have four really cool pieces I bought at Gen Con that are these really kind of iconic science fiction ships, right? Mm -hmm. Well, three ships in one blue phone box. (laughs) And getting them the the so the, they're all in the exact same brand of frames i i got them matted so they look nice in the exact same brand of frame but to get them to all hang lovely so that they all look like they're in a nice tidy row just it takes more work than it should it should be because the frames even though they're all the exact same frame where they put the 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 hooks on the back of them are all slightly different and even though they're high up in the, I don't know, maybe it was just me. I could still tell that they were wrong, and I kept, I keep tweaking them out, trying to make them look good. I've got a laser level if you want to borrow it. It's yeah, it's not. I mean, I've got a laser level too, okay. and, and those are certainly helpful. But it's, um, it's the the where the hooks have to go, where the screws go into the wall for everyone is slightly different. You can't just put them as a laser level and say, gotcha. I'm going to put all the screws in a nice tidy row right here. Because then all the frames are wrong, and they I all hang up. I see what you're so, saying. Okay. Yeah, all the frames are just slightly off. So then I have to make the, where the hook is on every one of them custom for that frame so that they all look like they're in a tidy row. Okay. And maybe that's a little uh, a hyper-focused ADHD coming out, trying to get them to look good. And probably if I hadn't said it out loud on this podcast, nobody ever would have noticed if they were off by a quarter inch or a half an inch. But Now people know. I'm well, and, but I see everything that's wrong in the store. That's true. And and nobody else probably notices it, but I know where every little thing is, is wrong. Everyone else is a visitor. You and the staff live here. And so it's it's a very different vibe. I can see that. Yeah. So it's it's right now it's planning for FlatCon. It's planning. We just got done with Day of Play. So that's good. That was behind us. Ariel and I were out uh, in the Uptown Normal Circle for five hours yesterday and day of play is mostly for littles right it's a, mm-hmm. it's like is that the children's museum correct it's out in the street in front of it gotcha so it's you know there was i don't know there's probably at least a couple thousand people walking around wow and it was a lot of like the three to six year old three to eight year old range of kids and uh so obviously we took a bunch of games with us goblet gobblers still a hit game for the little kids they love this idea of a giant version of tic-tac-toe where they can beat adults for those of you that don't know goblet gobblers is basically tic-tac-toe but some of the pieces are bigger than the others so you can actually swallow almost you can gobble them you can oh of course you can gobble them that that was bad marketing on my part yeah you can gobble other people's positions on like like uh, russian nesting dolls exactly and a great comparison and it it that rule and the other that rule plus the rule where you can move pieces around changes the game completely and a lot of times kids can beat adults because adults we have in our brains that this is how tic-tac-toe works we've known this for our entire life that this is how tic-tac-toe works kids brains are a lot more flexible than adults so that was a that was a massive hit. Uh, we took Pylos out with us, and Pylos is always a fantastic game as well. We're just sad because we found out it's being discontinued. Oh no! Yeah, due to the price of manufacturing the wooden balls, apparently the price has gone absolutely insane. Well, we know wood prices went crazy. Oh yeah. And so apparently, manufacturing the wooden balls, which waste a lot of wood, um, you know, but it wouldn't be the same game without the ball. So they're just they're just discontinuing it. And then Fuzzies, which is a couple, it's a game from a couple years ago from Asmo Day. That was a huge hit with the kids as well. 
And it's literally, a, it's, it's Jenga using little fuzzy balls. Gotcha. You got to use a pair of tweezers and you got to take a ball from, uh, you know, you get a card that says you got to take this color ball out of the stack somewhere and you have to move it up higher in the stack. You don't necessarily have to go to the top. Wherever you can make it stick in the stack without knocking everything over, that's where you place it. So, and then if you do knock anything off of the, off of the pile, of the fuzzy pile, um, then you have these challenge cards that you have to complete in order to be able to progress your turn and, and go back to collecting cards. Gotcha. But it's, it's, fuzzies is funny because it's literally like a, a game with fuzzy balls and the, 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 the stacking container looks like a 32-ounce soda cup that you would get at the movie theater. <laughs> so you, you, you shove all the balls down in this thing and then you compress it down using the stand to press it down and then you just kind of flip the whole thing over and you lift the cup off and then you start playing the game. That's so, fantastic. Yeah, those were big hits. Um, so we're, we're glad we got another year of that under our belt. Uh, the, we, we had a couple of people request a day off because, um, apple and pork festival in Mm. Clinton, always a big deal. Always a big deal. Always a delicious deal. Uh Ham and beans down there. The lion club makes every year phenomenal. So if anybody, um, well, it's too late now if you're listening to this (laughs) this year, next year, next year, put it in your calendars. Yeah. The ham and beans. And, and like now we're on to, like I said, now we're on to prepping for FlatCon, the ribbon cutting, the Tome of Terror horror novelist thing that's happening here in partnership with Bob's Bay. And, um, you know, those are all coming up in like the next five weeks. Along the way, we've got Lorcana drafts and Magic drafts and uh, Digimon store championship and One Piece store championships. And there's just a lot coming it's- in my opinion, it's been very surprising to see some of these other TCGs really start getting a following within the store. We've seen flashes in the pan, but One Piece, My Hero Academia, and and now, you know, of course, Lorcana, we, I think we're kind of expecting that for that. But this has been a, a magic shop for the most part. And Digimon, that was the other one I was trying to think of. We're actually seeing some really growing communities out of those. Yeah, I think the biggest uh, growth we've seen is One Piece, mm-hmm. right? One Piece came out and... Just like Lorcana, they had some pretty crazy production shortages where you couldn't get it. You just, you know, I think the first set of uh, One Piece came out and we got two boxes. So we got even less than we got for Lorcana. And everybody's calling us like, did you get the One Piece? Did you get them? We're like, got two boxes. We, we had like six packs a day, you know, and it was gone. Um, One Piece set four just dropped. And now it feels, I think it's set four. Maybe it's set three. Doesn't matter. Um, it, but now it feels like they're finally getting the production under control a yeah. little bit. But for the pre-release for the set, we had 24 people show up. And I think the difference between One Piece, the group that's playing here, and Magic is every store in every town runs Magic. Yeah. One Piece isn't everywhere because it's kind of hard to get. And so the guys that want to play, a lot of the guys... Um, were from other surrounding towns. The guys I was talking to yesterday when I worked was Peoria. I had a few people from I think Danville came. Like they were they were wanting to find the place to play. And yeah, Dan- Cons- Danville's what a, a solid hour and fifteen minutes away. Yeah, you know, and that's if there's no construction or anything that happens on the interstate. I think these smaller TCG communities are more 
used to having to drive to be able to do their thing mm-hmm. because they're not magic in Pokemon. So yeah. the guys, we used to have a really vibrant Vanguard community, um, and those guys would also, they would go to any, any tournament or any show, and they would go to anything within three hours for like store championships for limited edition promo cards and alternate art cards and stuff like that. So that took them from Madison to Des Moines to Chicago, Indianapolis, St. Louis, and the guys would just all pile in one car and shove like five guys in a car and off they would go to whatever tournament was happening. And you don't see that as much anymore with Magic. Um, Some of the guys will travel to go to some cool events, but not as much as like not the whole community piling in a car and saying, here we are, we're on the road and we're going. Right. A Pokemon community, there's a good group of them that will travel in a pretty good place. But but Magic, I think, has just got so ubiquitous that you just don't have to do that to play the game anymore. You can just find it everywhere. Speaking of uh, Pokemon, uh, I, I worked shift yesterday, and everybody was asking about 151. Yeah. Everybody's looking for 151 is the new special limited set. They always drop one in October. And... This one came out a little bit early. It's usually first couple of weeks of October. We got it yesterday, so we're still a full week out of October. Uh, came out Friday, and for the first hour and a half we were open Friday, it was like, I'm, I want my 151, I want my 151. Mm-hmm. We ordered up on it, and I still don't think we're going to have enough. This has been by far and away the most popular Pokemon set in at least a year. So out of five sets, you know, they all kind of came out, and everybody's like, yeah, you know, Scarlet Bite's cool, yeah, Paldea Ball's cool. Um, Obsidian Flame did pretty good, mm-hmm. but this is by far and away the most popular set we've had. And, and it, pulling on the nostalgia of people that played the originals, as yeah. well as, you know, re-releases of Pokemon that, uh, such as, uh, is it, it's not Alakazam, it's Abracadabra. yeah. That that whole lineage has not been in Pokemon for so long because of a lawsuit battle, and now is finally in. You can actually completely get 151 Pokemon uh, from the original one. I, I definitely can see why there's more people saying, this is something that I need. This is something I want to get everything of. Yeah, and, and I think a big interesting thing with Pokemon, every game has problems with power creep. And Pokemon's had that problem with power creep, too, where your cards that are original releases your original characters and stuff just can't compete against future ones because oh we introduced this new thing this new keyword or in you know pokemon's case we have exes and we had gxs now we're back to um exes again and uh, they are or v's or v stars and they have all these different things that they insert into the game to keep it interesting and exciting but it makes it, the original characters can't compete. Everybody oh, loves Pikachu, yeah. but he's actually kind of horrible in the game for the most part, right? Um, everybody loves uh, Charizard, but Charizard is again, you know, not always the greatest cards in the game to actually play the game with. And from a collectible point of view, everybody loves Charizard. Everybody loves Charizard. The so 151 is a chance for them to kind of do some rebalancing, and they did it once already. They did Pokemon Evolutions, which was God, that was pre-COVID, so four years ago, five years ago. And um, that was them trying to evolve all those original characters up and make them relevant again. You know, you got your Bulbasaurs and Squirtles and Gengars and all, all those characters that are fan favorites. 
EVs and stuff, evolutions in evolving skies brought mm-hmm. EVs back into relevancy as well. Um, and this is, again, we're trying to rebalance and make those beloved characters that everybody knows the name. You know, there's over a 1,000 Pokemon right now. That's terrifying. I could identify a significant number of the original 151, but after I get outside of there, like, eh, it's kind of hard to keep up with them all, you know? I don't know. Sometimes you just start spouting names, and you literally could just sneak in a Pokemon or two that don't exist in one of those, and I would have no idea. You have more knowledge, I think, than you give yourself credit for. Well, some of the Pokemon are just kind of ridiculous right yes. like there's the pokemon there's the, the the basic form is an ice cream cone then the, the the next evolved form is like a double cone and then the the ultimate form is like a triple cone like really we have pokemon ice cream cone yeah come on guys or then and, and from the new one smolov he's a small green olive his name is smolov what smolov does he evolve i i, I don't know but his name is smolov Although they did make a French pig, and his name is Lechonk. So that's oh, kind that of fun. Oh, that is... I, I have seen Lechonk. He's pretty fantastic. That's kind of fun. That's right. Speaking of fantastic things, I, I think that <laughs> when it comes to what's been on our tables lately, you and I yeah. are actually going to have a lot of similarities here, because we actually got to play some games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But first fun. of all, I need you to confess to a sin, Jamie. No. Yes. No. You have to. No. I'm, I'm still right. <sighs> okay. That's not actually the sin I was going to talk about. We can talk about the Tower of... Babel. Or Babel. No Babel. This is a whole podcast. We need to have a special episode. If you want to know about this lore, just send us an email. Put it in the uh, the subject line. Tell us about Babel and we'll talk about it. Okay, or Babel. So, so then what are you talking about? What do I have to confess to? So Jamie runs a and d game. Oh. oh. Oh, God. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> and he was very polite enough to invite me to join a few months back. And I took him up on the offer immediately because I love to play. I'm a forever GM. Yeah. And uh, so we're trying to get the band back together. We kind of had some... Uh, I built a building. I didn't yeah. DM the entire time the building was happening. You had a few things on your it was mind. was a lot going you on. You still have a few things on your mind. It was a lot going on. But uh, Jamie's like, all right, let's get the band back together. So Blues Brothers style, he calls everyone up. We're all trying to get organized. But it turns out only about half of us could show up. So we end up getting together and still playing the game, just having you know some of the characters that couldn't play. Um, basically, uh, just they were side characters or they were asleep or whatever. Yeah. And uh, we go through this really mini episode after we did White Plume Mountain, which yeah. is a classic. Uh, yeah, classic that's story a D&D first edition that I found somebody had created a, a mod to bring it up to fifth edition. So I'm like, oh, we're, we're doing this one. Yes. So we are all now armed with the weapons from Black Plume Mountain, which if you don't which know. Which are way overpowered. Whelm, Wave, Black Razor. Check it out on in your books or in D&D uh, Beyond. Yeah. You'll see that these things are massively amazing. This is stupid overpowered. Stupid overpowered. And so we end up leaving the mountain. Jamie's setting us up to go. We run into a village. And the, and the village name is a, the real village that's outside of White Plume, Plume Mountain. Thunder. Thunder. Thundercrack? Yes, Thundercrack. Thundercrack. And we go into Thundercrack and we're like, okay, we're, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Something's wrong with this town. We go in. The town is thriving. Okay, they can't be thriving for good means. Are they sacrificing children? What's going on here? Everybody seems happy. No one is suspicious at all. We stay up that, like, we have guards posted in the inn that we're staying at. Just because we're like, it's going to pop off at any moment. This is going to, something's going to happen. 
nothing happens. We leave the next day, nothing happens. It's been the only time I've been to a town in D&D where someone didn't try and throw a quest in my face. And I'm you like, guys were so paranoid. We missed so much. So I was so sure. I was like, what did we not do? What so clue paranoid. did we not follow? And then we end up going down the road a bit. A ghost. It was so fun for me. I know. You guys were so worried that something we was so going to happen, and I knew in my head nothing was going to happen. We had these amazing weapons. You were going to throw something at us. <laughs> so then we, and I know hearing people talk about D&D stories is, you know, sometimes the most boring thing in the world, but just bear with me on this. So we head down. We run into a ghost. The ghost gives us a mission. We have to go fight some living trees. We get to use our amazing weapons. It's a lot of fun. Um, and then a few days pass, and Jamie and I are hanging out last night. And Jamie reveals a bombshell on me <laughs> that I am still rocked by to this day. Jamie, do you want to tell people what you did? Well, so I had this whole thing set up, right? We, we, was, we were supposed to have five of our six players were supposed to show up. And I'm like, okay, I got this amazing concept. Well, here's what we're going to do. And then people started canceling, right? And mm-hmm. so only three showed up. And I'm like, well, one, can they survive? If I run this at them with just three people. To be fair, I also made it hard to survive myself, but that's a story for another time. Yeah. Um, but then, too, I'm like, I don't want to lose this effect because I, it's a kind of an important story plot of where I want to go with the campaign next. So I didn't want to, I don't know, maybe waste is a hard word, but I didn't kind of want to waste this time because then you guys would have had to tell everybody else, here's what happened, here's what we learned in the next session. And so I kind of wanted everybody to be there for the big reveal of here's where we're going next. So I had my laptop open, you know, and I pulled up ChatGPT and asked it to create me a spooky forest story for a, a D&D campaign. <laughs> and it did. And so that's what you guys ran through is you ran through a ChatGPT created little D&D mini thing. And then the, the ghost was a, he was a druid. And I asked the chat GPT to write me a little spooky limerick that would give you a quest. And so he, it wrote out this whole limerick that was going on as well that sent them onto their path to, to go do this thing in the forest. And yeah, it was, it was fun to try at one time to see what happened, to see if we could create something. And, and you even told me before I revealed this that you're like, it felt a little flatter than normal. Yeah, it, I just always, you know, you've done an amazing job GMing for us. Like you, I will never forget there was a time where you all of a sudden played rushing water noises as we were in a cave system and all of us just got hyped. We, we thought, okay, there's just going to be, we're running against the clock here. And I kept turning the volume up. Up louder and louder and louder. We were, we were playing on a roll 20 yes. still. And I could send, I could control the volume to each of your computers so that I was playing it on your computers. And it just kept getting louder and louder. That was kind of fun. Yeah. So you've always done a fantastic job. So this just felt a little bit different. And now I know why. And I don't know why I felt so betrayed by this. (laughs) But it was an interesting experience because, to be honest, it was not... It was interesting to later on in that night go through that in my head and see what ChatGPT was trying to tell you what to do. So I... It kind of it brings us back to a conversation we've had multiple times on here about how AI and role playing games are going to interact with each other in the future. We've we're starting to see some signs of that on the horizon. So yeah, yeah. and it well, and here's the I think here's the problem too, where it is, and I'm I know this problem, and I thought about it, like hey, maybe I won't do this, and maybe I will, but um, you know all of these 
AI subsystems are still based on information that was inputted by some sort of a mechanical Turk, Mm -hmm. right? Where somebody somewhere who's probably getting paid horribly still has to feed a whole ton of data into the system for it to have any information to work from. Right. And I go back and forth on this one. I have friends that are artists. I've seen the, I've, I've seen, you know, we had that massive controversy where everybody was getting AI generated profile pics based on certain artist styles. And, you know, my artist friends were very much of the opinion of, Chat GPT is stealing what I spent 20, 30, 50 years of my life trying to perfect this style of art and it's stealing it from me to recreate it. I get that. Um, and it's it's an interesting debate and, and it's one we probably shouldn't go into a, a ton of details here. When you get to things like making a D&D campaign, where did it get that information from? Where right. did it pull that campaign and that limerick from and all that stuff? What did it use to in order to do that? And, and I don't actually know. Did it use old Wizards of the Coast material? Which I own a lot of that too. Um, it, it, there's some of it, you know, because when I create a campaign, I'm creating a campaign that is based on my lived experiences, but my lived experiences are also based on consuming a massive amount of content that I have purchased myself right. over the last 40 years. So is chat GPT doing anything different than what I would do synthesizing all the information I have? There are certainly and absolutely things that have made it into our campaigns that have come out of concepts from books I've read music I've listened to, TV shows I've watched, movies I've watched, uh, podcasts I've listened to. You know, I take inspiration from all over the place in order to pull some of this stuff off. And and so that, you know, maybe that's different than art in the fact that, you know, I can pull all this information and synthesize it together the same way as the computer synthesizes that same information. I don't know. There's, I think we've got as a nation a lot of living and learning to do as we move further into this AI thing, trying to decide what's going to work and what's not going to work. You know, I, I was joking last night that I said if, if somebody wanted to really make my life easier with an AI, it would it would make it uh, an easier way to do employee scheduling. <laughs> you know, we've got we've got enough people now that when I open up the scheduling software, the scheduling software is like it shows me all these gray bars of. Um, you know, this person's unavailable at this time because of Dr. Dennis, whatever, um, you know, a couple of people going to school, here's their school schedule. So I can't schedule them to work. Some of our folks have second jobs or this is their second job, right? They work 15, 20 hours here. They were full-time somewhere else. So creating the schedule around all of that would be Fabulous! I would, I would love. I would, I would pay extra money for the company that made my life easier with scheduling. What if Red Raccoon is the reason that the AI rises up? Like between introducing them to murder hobos and Dungeons and Dragons and trying to schedule time, <laughs> like that AI is just like this can't be. Humanity is doomed. We cannot suffer these people. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's parts that I, I think, I think there's things I would love. I would love a system that could help me parse all of the nonsense that is my email inbox to say, there's a question in this email that you have to answer, as opposed to 
marketing brain dumps that happen in there. And I, I try to keep them sorted out, say, this is a company trying to market me something. This is a question I need to deal with and answer. This is staff. This is a vendor. This is a, this is a customer. And I would, you know, I would love a, an AI bot that could help me parse my email box. There, there's a Microsoft Teams thing I need to show you, but we won't talk about that on the podcast because okay. this is about games, and we did yeah. actually play some analog games, just you and me with no computers involved as well. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. We got to play Point City, which is the follow up to Point Salad. Yeah, that was fun. Fantastic game. Yeah. Um, you are basically it's, it's not exactly an engine builder; it's more of a resource builder. But the simplicity lends itself so well to just a casual play experience, I think. And I felt like it was like you took point salad and kind of mixed it with splendor. Mm, yeah, that's a great example. You know, because um, in, in point salad, you're, you're collecting vegetables and you can either have a vegetable or you get a card that gives you points for the vegetable or a combination of the vegetable. You know, this card gives you three points for every carrot you have. This card gives you... Eight points for every three cabbages you have. This card gives you eight points if you have an even number of tomatoes or three points if you have an odd number of tomatoes at the end of the game, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's literally a point salad game disguised as a game about making salad. Right. Point City has cards that you buy that would provide some income each round to allow you to buy more cards. And so it kind of felt like Splendor a little bit like that. Yeah. But those cards also gave you different ways to score points at the same time, too. So there was that Splendor resource accumulation, right? Oh, I got this card, and it gives me one energy each round that I can use to buy the next energy card. Um, but then this other card says, oh, you get seven points for each energy card you have at the end of the game, kind of yes. like the original point salad. So I, I thought it was cool. I enjoyed it, it a lot. I like the idea that you know you could get temporary resources. Every card was two-sided. You either got a temporary resource on one side or a building was on the other side. Uh, and all the buildings were unique from what we could find in the whole entire deck. There yeah. was little variances. It wasn't huge, but each card had a different price and things like those. Yeah, there's lines. a lot of so, food trucks. Lots of food trucks. Or lots of statues, and all the statues were of various designs of meeples on the top of the statue, which you pointed out. Right, and the payment for them is all different, and the energy they give you is all different. So yeah. you can use temporary resources to buy these buildings. It would either give you points or it would give you uh, re reusable, renewable resources. Yeah. And then you could use those to finally get your point scoring tokens. It was a lot of fun. If, if you just want that simple, light game, I think that it's an excellent choice to bring there. Yeah, I talked to someone Ryan about it, and I said, I think I often recommend Point Salad as a, this is a good entry-level game. Mm -hmm. This is, you could just pick this game up, you could learn to play this with people who don't consider themselves gamers because you're just making a vegetable salad. That's all. And this is just a good six-player entry-level game. I don't know that Point Salad is the first game I hand somebody, or Point City. Point City is not the first game I hand somebody. But if they've played Point Salad, I think they could play Point City pretty easy. Yes. It's like a second game I would give somebody. Yes. The only the disappointment I had is it only plays four players. Because mm -hmm. I love the fact that Point Salad plays six. There's not a lot of six-player games. And... I wish there was a way, but I'm sure there's a reason why they probably tested it and couldn't make it work right or something, but I wish it could do six players. Maybe we'll get Point City Suburbs 
and we'll get some like two extra players in there. Or something. Yeah, and the, the version we have right now in the store is the Kickstarter version with the little promos in there as well. Yeah, and they some, just they add some different ways to score points, basically. Some really fun ways. We won't spoil those. For yeah. You. But we went from this really nice kind of, I wouldn't say relaxing game, but it was definitely just something a little more casual to one of the most intense games I have ever played (laughs) in my life. But it's Uh, not supposed to be intense. It's Kites? Yeah. I think it's supposed to be kind of a casual play experience. That is not true. I do not believe that in the slightest. (laughs) If you would like to see us actually play this game that we're about to describe, you can actually go to Red Raccoon Games Facebook, and I believe you have a live of that up of us playing. Um, so basically the game is played by, uh, you're flying kites and there's only so long that a kite can stay in the air being unattended. So you have a sand dial, sand dial, sand timer, sand timer, excuse me, uh, that basically you cannot let run out. And there's about six of them. One represents the wind and the other represents, uh, each kite. Yeah. And so each player, each of them has a different amount of sand in them. Yes, so timing is everything. So what you basically have to do is play a card, and then you have to, whatever colors are on that card, you get to flip those dials. Sometimes they're paired up, and you have to flip one that maybe you didn't want to flip. But a lot of the game is encouraging table talk to say, okay, I can do this, but can you do this next? Because if I flip this one, you've got to flip it again right away. And turned out to be quite a juggling act of trying to keep all these kites into the air. Yeah, we uh, lost was, very badly the first did. time. It was horrible. Then we did the live stream thinking we were going to do so much better, and we still lost. We st- like, right away. No, no, no. We, the, 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 we lost. We had four cards left. That was a pretty decent score. If you remember correctly, I think we, we lost really badly, and then we lost, like, right away. A no, second I, time I mean, they were, I'm sorry. The very first game, we lost in, like, the, the first 30 seconds of the That's game. That's fair. Okay, yes, yes. Then that's we what played happened. another full game, and we lost. We had, I think, we six, 16 cards. And then the, the live stream one, we lost when we had four cards, which was a pretty good score. And mind you, we played without the challenge cards, which do things like you have to flip all of yeah. the dials, or you have to go around without talking. And... Ooh, that was that was fun, but it definitely was an intense experience for two people, and I can only imagine it ramps up whenever you include more. Yeah, and the challenge—I can't imagine the challenge cards. You'd, you'd have to get, we'd have to get more practice, and maybe it's easier with four players because you get more time to think between your turns. Because with just the two of us, like you would do something, and I had to immediately do something back. Yeah, and I it was it felt very frantic. So maybe with four players, I get an extra fifteen seconds to look at my cards and think to see what I'm going to do next. Um, I also got a chance to play some Dominion again this oh, week. Oh, yes, yes, you know, yes. I love Dominion. And um, uh, a really good time playing some Dominion. Um, and then I played, what else did I Oh, uh, I got in a couple of games of Carcassonne this week. So Two of your favorites. Yeah, some Lucky classics, you. right? Yeah. yeah. So I am always a fan of, uh, of, of a good game of Carcassonne or a good game of Dominion. And it's just... They're man. Those are both games I've played so many times that there's, but there's still so many different strategies to win those games. I, I don't know. I don't know if you did you get a chance to play anything else. No, no. So uh, my week has been you know Baldur's Gate and things like that, which I can't talk to you about because you're <sighs> resisting it for some strange and odd reason. I'm I'm just before I buy Baldur's Gate three. I'm not doing it until after I have beat Dominion four. That's fair. But I uh, you mean Diablo four? I'm Diablo four. Yeah. yeah, not Dominion Four. Yeah, Diablo Four, and I, I'm not there yet. I, I made it to Act Six, so there's Act Six and Act Seven, and and 
everyone's like, how have you not already beat this game? And um, But I only get a chance to play sometimes on Friday. During the week, I never really, we got so much going on in our lives, I never really get a chance to play. And then like this most recent Friday, I didn't play Diablo at all because I was busy cleaning our house because we had a staff party at our house last night. We did. Fantastic time. Yeah, many margaritas were consumed. So, uh, and, and many M-A-N-Y, not M-I-N-I, just making sure. Uh, so let's talk about some of your other favorite games in one of our news articles that came up this week. Yeah, and that what, was, which where you want to go? Uh, we're looking at Dicebreaker, uh, an article written by Chase Carter. Cooperative board game Zombicide infects a different comic book universe in Deceased. I was really surprised. I had not the slightest clue that this one was coming. Yes. I didn't even see this one, right? The Marvel Zombies made more sense to me as a crossover than Deceased. But um, the they just kind of hinted. They showed a couple of models. They haven't really told us a lot what's going to go on. And I don't know if this is going to come out to be a reskin of Marvel Zombies. The storylines felt pretty similar. Very I didn't similar. I didn't read all of Deceased um, when it came out. I'm not as big of a DC Comics fan. I know other people are going to like, boo. Right. You know, my buddy Zach, well, Zeke from Zeke's Comics and Games in Washington, he's a massive, like, Batman fan. And I, I just have never been as big of a DC guy for right. the comics. I, I've watched most of the cartoons and stuff, but I just never was in as deep on the, the comic books. So... I kind of looked at Deceased when it came out and went, well, that looks like they're just rehashing Marvel Zombies. And I, I, I don't know. I'm going to be interested to see when the Kickstarter launches. You know we're going to get it, right? Because right, this is course. a homicide game. So we're going to get it. Um, and we're going to get the Kickstarter versions. And we're going to have all the stuff. I'm just, I don't know. I'm curious. I just, what what's going to be different in this one over Marvel Zombies? I mean, obviously, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. But let's talk about the fact that there's some real power level differences in this. So in the Marvel Universe, you have characters that are more what I like to call street level heroes. You know, Spider-Man, Daredevil. These are people that are saving crimes like in a city yeah. at the most part. Maybe with multiple heroes. a lot heroes. of Spider-Man stopping like pickpocketers and purse snatchers and stuff, right? Exactly. Daredevil too. So when you're facing off against zombies as one of those characters, it kind of makes a little bit more sense. So you, you can get into levels of Magneto and things along those lines where they have, you know, kind of overpowered abilities. But for the most part, you can manage a game pretty well in that world. But if you bring Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman into a zombie universe, if they are the zombies... What do you have to fight them with? Like, do you have to run around and find pimp crates that have kryptonite? Is that what you have to do? Uh, it. I don't know. It, it's a good question too, right? Because that's um, injustice. The yes. the entire run of injustice where where Superman went bad, or any time where Superman ends up with red kryptonite, right? As Superman goes goes rogue, you know, there was a. I don't remember. It was a comic. Why do you have a kryptonite arrow in case Superman goes rogue? Like right now, you know, I mean. Exactly, yes. So, and Batman's got a stash of kryptonite and everything too. But yeah, Superman and, and well, Wonder Woman's literally a god, right? I mean, exactly, yeah. So, I don't know. It's. The power scaling is I hadn't very thought different. about the power scaling being so different. 
Yeah. That's interesting. But then you've got street level people too in the DC universe as well. Black Canary, but, Green Arrow. Yeah, yes. but they're yeah, but they're not the same as, mm-hmm. you know, the, the what they call them the Trinity, right? Exactly. Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. I think what a lot of people here are uh, you know, in Marvel it's human people with godlike abilities. And in DC it's godlike people trying to be human. And that's what you see a lot in the in the differences between the two. Yeah. And so again, Marvel zombies made a lot of sense because of that power scaling, but Superman with heat vision could just, you know, decimate a city block of zombies. What is going to be that limiting factor? I mean, in the, in the, uh, in justice comic, you were talking about Batman basically gets a pill that gives everybody at least mild level Kryptonian strength. So that way when Superman punches them, they don't automatically just you know crumple and die. Yeah. So splatter. Exactly. So yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, but I, I am too. Can I tell you though, one of my please. what you just made me think of because it's one of my favorite movie scenes that's ever been done in the DC universe, and it's from the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League. Okay. When they bring Superman back and he's all super pissed off, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get him to calm down, and then the cops show up and shoot at him, and he goes kind of nuts over a minute there. And the Flash is trying to run by him, and then they just show Henry Cavill's eyes turn sideways and track the Flash. And like the Flash gets super freaked out because yeah. he's so used to being so fast, nobody sees him, and so like, Superman's watching him go by. I thought that was a really cool cinematic shot. But yeah, that was absolutely fantastic. I, I, that was a complete segue off of this one, but it's a. But that goes back to Superman's power, right? Right. Then the 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 little fun trailer thing at the very end in the middle is Superman and the Flash doing a foot race. Mm-hmm. You know who's going to win? Who's faster? Exactly. Speaking of iconic scenes in movies, uh, the article we're going to read next has one of the. Most overused images of Jeff Goldblum I think I've ever seen. Uh, this article comes from Polygon, uh, written by Charlie Hall. And it's Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park. His shirt opened after being... You know, spent so much time wondering if you could, you didn't spend any time thinking if you should. Exactly. With the headline saying, Jurassic World is roaring into Magic the Gathering. Uh, so, as many of you know that are Magic fans, uh, we are actually going to be going back to Ixalan, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, which is your standard dinosaur. Lost like, Caverns of Ixalan. Is the new set coming it's, out. It's uh, early November. Yes, 17th, according to here, for retail. Um, but, as you know, this is very much a... It's almost like Dinotopia. Like, dinosaurs and humans kind of live side by side. And correct? pirates. And pirates. And pirates. Of, of course, pirates. Silly me. Um, but in order to kind of celebrate that, and because they're doing so well in getting these other uh, entries of other worlds into the Magic the Gathering series, Jurassic Park is going to have a Universes Beyond crossover set that comes out with this. Yeah. It's a secret lair, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to... But it's... It, it, uh, it looks kind of fun. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, there is an artifact, uh, a human scientist, art, legendary creature, Ian Malcolm, uh, with a, a, basically a art style of Magic the Gathering scene of him in the back of the car, quoting pretty much what Jamie was just bringing up. Uh, Indominus Rex Alpha's in there. Uh, you actually have a Jurassic Park card itself. It's a legendary land card. Um, yeah, it's yeah. the welcome to Jurassic Park. It's the opening gates, and it looks fantastic. 
<laughs> but yeah, so you know, we've seen a lot of success with the Lord of the Rings coming out, and actually they're they're gonna be revisiting that as well. There's gonna be a holiday release of Lord of the Rings. So we're gonna add a few more unique cards onto there, such as Gladriel, Aragon at Helm's Deep, uh, Gandalf and the Field of Penelor, and the Witch King are gonna be new cards being added there. Well, and and they're also doing for the the Lord of the Rings that they're doing the scene cards. Because the first Lord of the Rings cards, there were cards that all the artwork, when you pieced all the cards and put them all together, the artwork behind them made one big piece of artwork. And there's actually going to be, I think it's four new ones of those that haven't existed before. So it's kind of fun, too. I have to say that I'm a little upset that they didn't do one of um, Aragorn kicking the helmet that ended up breaking the actor's toe. Vigo's Vigo's toe. toe. Because uh, we all talk about it. We all know it. There's so many memes about it. But I, uh, speaking of all of this, you know, the additions of all these different worlds now into Magic the Gathering, I sent a meme to Jamie the other day that was Optimus Prime and uh, Gimli. And Gimli's like, I never thought I'd be fighting with a tractor trailer. And Optimus Prime's like, how about a friend? And then just at the bottom it says Magic the Gathering. Because that's the kind of world magic is now. It was very much... I remember being a kid and magic was its own thing. Like it was far and away different than everything else. And they have been working steadily to incorporate all of these different hobbies, all of these different interests so that you can have this really bespoke experience of playing magic the gathering, which I think has been utterly fantastic. Well, the next set coming out in just a few weeks is the doctor who commander decks. Exactly. You know, and the one deck is called the timey wimey deck. I mean, I haven't looked this up. Grant said something to me about this, and so Grant either may be trying to pull my leg and gaslighting me about something else again. Which or it could he's be, never done before, yeah, or, has he, Jamie? Or it could be a real thing, but he said they're doing a Princess Bride secret lair set. Really? Yeah, and I haven't I haven't looked it up yet, and so anybody who just went, oh my God, son of the... You know, he could be completely just making this up, but... Well, let me just look this up right now. Uh, For those of you, while Jamie looks this up, I'm going to tell you a story uh, that was regaled last night at the party. Many of you know that there happened to be this Dungeons and Dragons movie that came out recently, just in the last year or so. And utterly fantastic movie, which Jamie ended up watching quite a few times. I think partly because he absolutely loved it, but partly because Grant got a cohort of people here at the store to convince Jamie that two of Jamie's favorite characters, Minsk and Boo, were actually in the movie. And Jamie had watched it multiple times trying to catch the scene, that that one little instance, and never could see it. And finally it was revealed that Grant had pulled the strings on Jamie. Well, it wasn't really... I think it was actually started by Chance. Okay. Chance Credit and where Jillian. Credit where due. Okay. But everybody else piled in going, this is hilarious, let's just mess with Jamie. So... Yeah. I think it was actually Grant, uh, uh, Jillian and Chance launched it, but Grant and Ryan were happy to, to help, out, help, help out. Yeah, okay, that makes a whole lot more sense. Uh, there is a Princess Bride set oh, coming look out. look at that. Yeah, so it's Inigo Montoya, Miracle Max, Rodents of Unusual Size, The Battle of Wits, Vizzini, uh, Wesley, Dread Pirate Roberts, Fezzik, The Rhyming Giant, and Buttercup, Provincial Princess. And I'm looking at the art, and the art does look pretty fantastic. I don't collect a lot of magic cards myself, but there are some cards that I kind of have to have. There are some 
special things that you don't actually put too much on display inside the store that you have here, though. Two of them are swords from the Princess Bride. Yeah, I have the Nico Montoya sword and Dread Pirate Robert sword. I, whenever somebody comes in and happens to drop that, I always come and ask you if I can show people the swords because they are amazing. But we do need to get those like hung up on the wall in your office someday. Yeah, like, I'll to, get them put up. Yeah. I, I, they have to go someplace where people can't grab a sword and stab somebody with it. Like I said, in your office, I think, is the safest place. We yeah. don't need to have that out on the floor. We already have a giant Thor's hammer that... Some days I feel like if someone gets a hold of, could really cause some damage. The good news is, is that the, the, the that it's made out of foam. It's still twenty seven pounds or something like that. It's made out of foam, and the good news is that it's high enough up in the air that I am really the only one who can grab it without having to get some sort of a stool or something to climb up there to it. So that's fair. Now height locked. Yeah. Speaking of another crossover, because it's October, it's spooky time. It's always spooky time. So they announced there's with the dread, with the Princess Bride set coming out, there also is going to be a set of Evil Dead cards for Magic. Oh, no. including Ash um, and Linda, uh, and then also a set of um, cards based on Creepshow. Really? Yeah. You remember Creepshow? Vaguely. So I, it's one of those things that I know I watched once. Probably sometime in my mid to late 20s, but it was never something I felt like I needed to watch again. Uh, the the need to watch kind of B-horror movies comes and goes into my life, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it falls into this, in my head, it falls in the same lane of like Nightbreed and. Well, it was um, like um, everybody was watching it and stuff too because it was uh, George Romero yeah. was involved with Creepshow, at least at the beginning. Uh, I think there was, there was a, there was. A couple of movies, and then I think there was actually a TV show, a short-lived TV show. I don't know if he was involved in the TV show or not, but uh, the Crypt Keeper, right? The Crypt mm-hmm. Keeper was famous, um, the host, uh, and introduced us to all the spooky segments that that happened along the way. So, I'm are you talking about Creep Show or Tales from the Crypt? Oh wait, I switched over, didn't I? Yeah, you those did. are two different things. Yes. Never mind, never mind. Okay, it's like wait a second, I the words you're saying don't fit with what I'm thinking. Uh, but yes, that is going to be fun. Okay. Let's just get into it, Jamie, because we both got lore locked here a few minutes ago. Because the next article that we're going to read uh, comes from Dice Breakers once again, um, from an article written by, and I had it just up and then lost it here for a second, uh, Michael Whalen. Evil Mickey Mouse, Mysterious Seaweed, and Different Timelines. What's going on in Disney Lorcana's secret story? So for those of you who have been following Lorcana... We're going to have to put this, post this link in the show notes because there's no way we're going to do this article justice. People no. have got to read this themselves. It's so much. So first of all, I, I want to read the first paragraph because I want your take on this, Jamie. Okay. Disney Lorcana has been sweeping through friendly local game stores and generating a lot of hype, laying a very solid foundation for the card game. Although people are currently struggling to get their hands on it due to demand, it seems to have enchanted players far and wide for its take on classic trading card game. Now, would you agree with that first paragraph about Lorcana? Um, No, I think that that's fair, right? People who can get access to the game, and I wish I could make that like an unlimited thing where I could get it to everybody, but I can't. Um, so I think that everybody who has played the game, I think most people are really enjoying it. I would agree. And 
we know for we've talked about many times at nauseum the difficulty in getting it. So that's mm-hmm. that's fair to say too. Uh, so I no, I think that's a very fair paragraph. You know, it, one of the comments we got. So we've been doing Lorcana in the store on Sundays, and um, we're trying to space it out to give people, you know, everybody that plays in a league event gets a pack so that you can slowly keep evolving your deck. But some people have managed to find Lorcana in a big box store someplace, so they've got access to more cards than everybody else. And, um, you know, we're people have commented that, you know, it feels like some people just have these massive decks with all these options and things they can do. And I've got a starter deck with like four starter, four extra booster packs to it. So, you know, the 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 struggle is real still trying to get access to the... Everybody thought that the big box stores were going to have so much product that it was going to solve all these issues. Now most of them sold out the first day. They didn't have very much at all. And they had the big box stores. All, all the big box stores here had less than the game stores, which is what yeah. Robinsberger told us they wanted to do. They told all the stores, we want... The majority of product to be in stores to build a community around playing the game, and ever, nobody believed them. And it actually turned out that they put most of the product in stores. And I'll admit, I was a little shocked by the fact that that was the truth because we've talked about on this podcast in the early ons that Robinsberger sometimes was not kind to game stores about releasing of their games. Like they went to Target and Walmart first, and then maybe a few months later you got some of their products. So yep. when they said, oh, no, we're investing in game stores, I really thought that after the the shortages that game store was given in product, that their plan was we're going to create buzz at game stores, but then still side with our larger partners. And so it actually makes me feel a little bit better hearing that the big stores are having the exact same problem. Yeah. The reason why I wanted to bring this up with you is because this very sentence that's actually highlighted in the article Although people are currently struggling to get their hands on it due to demand. I don't know if from what you've told me, it sounds like demand is the problem. It's not that there's necessarily an overwhelming demand. I mean, there's a lot of people that want it. But I feel like supply is actually the problem at this point. Well, they're two sides of the same coin, right? Right. Uh, You know, the supply, none of us knows exactly what the demand is. Mm-hmm. Right. If if I had gotten all of the Lorcana that I had ordered, you know, I, I think I said on here before that we tried to order, you know, MSRP twenty five thousand dollars worth of Lorcana, which to put that in perspective, when a new magic set comes out, I normally we have somewhere between ten to fifteen thousand dollars of MSRP is what we try to get for the for that. So we were betting we were trying to bet big. If we had actually gotten that, and if every game store had gotten what they ordered, you know, probably would have flooded the market with supply, and then, but but then the demand would have been fulfilled. But nobody knows what the demand actually is because, you know, economics is all about finding that equilibrium point where you have enough demand, enough supply where they balance out. I know the demand's there. I just don't know is that demand. Bigger than Pokemon, lower than Pokemon, bigger than Magic, lower than Magic, bigger than One Piece, lower than One Piece. I I don't know because I did not get even nearly enough supply to even figure out that amount. Yes. So, okay, that I think is very fair. But that's not actually what this article is about. It's it's one of the few articles we've seen lately that is not just about the supply-demand issues of Lorcana or, or issues with getting the product. It's actually diving into... 
the cards themselves, trying to figure out what the storyline of Lorcana is. Yeah, because we know there's a storyline for Pokemon. We yes. know there's a storyline for One Piece, mm-hmm. for Digimon, for Magic. Every every game has got a storyline. But the storyline gets revealed slowly because you get artwork, one yeah. or two sentences on a card, maybe... You know, uh, Pokemon's got cartoons where they can move the story along, uh, line along. Uh, One Piece have got cartoons and manga. But this is completely brand new intellectual property. Yes. And so far, Disney has released animated shorts kind of trying to explain the story, but they are wordless half animations. And it's very much what is implied that you're seeing, not necessarily what you're told what yeah. you're seeing. And so far, it's the story of this young girl who gets teleported to this large device that seems to be able to take the power of imagination and create specific characters called Glimmers out of it. And so far, there's been three different versions of Glimmers. There are Storyborn. Those are characters in the game that appear just as they did inside of your favorite TV shows and movies. So, you know, Elsa, Hercules, they are characters that you instantly recognize. Then you have Dreamborn, which is kind of like fan fiction Disney characters. That's a good so, way to say it. Yes. Giant so, Tinkerbell. Exactly. We have, um, I think in the new set that's coming out, Bell is going to be a, um, uh, like a mechanic, like an, an inventor. No, she's an inventor in this set. Oh, is it in this yeah, set? Yeah, the, the next set. set I, think, I think there's a card that Bell is going to be like a warrior, like yes. a, a knight. We saw Tiana with a sword. I mean, you get to see kind of this what-if scenario for these Disney characters, which is a lot of fun. I really appreciate that. It also then allows you to play with your favorite characters, but with different mechanics. Um, So, you know, what if Rapunzel was a warrior instead of just a, you know, I guess she kind of was. She wasn't really a damsel in distress. Um, But there's a third version, which has been very mysterious, and we're hoping this next season is going to reveal a little bit more information, and that is Floodborne. So Floodborne have a very unique ability. They are high-cost cards, but you can play them on top of cards where they share the same name. So exactly, if you have a Mickey Mouse card and a Mickey Mouse Floodborne card, you can play the Mickey Mouse Floodborne card on top of the Mickey Mouse card for a lower cost. Yeah, it's called shifting. You exactly. shift the card up to the next tier so you don't have to pay all of the ink on just one turn. Yes. So if a... If an Aladdin card has, you know, you've got an Aladdin card that costs two ink on the field and you've got an Aladdin card in your hand that um, has the shift ability and he costs seven ink. Seven ink's kind of a lot in the game. So I put the two out first, pay that, and then next round I can just pay five, the difference, as opposed to trying to get seven all at one time. It's a little easier to get the card cost out there. And to be clear, we I actually talked with Ken about this and he didn't realize it till I brought it up. Only Floodborns have the shift ability. I didn't realize that either, actually. Yes. So that, for me, was the first sign of what the lore is going to be. And the name of the next set is Rise of the Floodborn. Correct. So far, I think we only have like six or seven Floodborn characters within the the, the starter sets that are out there. Um, and they are sometimes a little bit darker uh, in, in essence of the other cards you bring, or, or more powerful. You feel like... There's a definite shift from the rest of the art and playstyle that comes with these cards. Yeah, I'm wondering if the Floodborne are going to be the problem of the lore. Um, if somehow, if the mechanic of shift is actually, what if too much ink with this magical ink that they're using in the game goes into these glimmers and they evolve into these 
kind of maybe overpowered characters. And that's part of the problem that's going on. Uh, we have not gotten to see any signs of this, but this article goes deeply into some very interesting lore about what could be happening from small clues that we're seeing in the cards. It all starts with the Mickey Mouse Inspector card, which is one of the well-known ones that you've been probably seeing out there. Yeah. And he's chasing after... Detective. Detective, excuse me. And he's chasing after this pink, purplish seaweed. Right. Which then you see, again, in another card, Duke of Willington. From Frozen. Frozen. And he's looking at the exact same stuff. So two different universes dealing with possibly the same issue. And then they go on in this article. There's no way we can encapsulate all this. Yeah, this is they, be... they really analyzed every different background of every card, looking at flotsam and jetsam, the hench eels. I love they use the phrase hench yes. eels from Ursula. Um, looking like maybe they stole some of the parts from the, the Grand Illuminary. And... Bell, the mechanic, and Bell's father, Maurice, building. What are they building in their 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 inventor cards? And it looks very much like the building that the Imagineer cinematic is showing us. Uh, the Wizard's Apprentice, Mickey Mouse, and his uh, his brooms that are supposed to be cleaning up are all cleaning up this purplish liquid that is there. Um, so there's some really interesting connections that are flowing, as well as gems being seen in some really odd places in the steamboat willie mickey mouse card in the middle of his steering wheel this you know old rickety you know uh steamboat willie boat there is now a gem in the center of his steering wheel and gems are starting to pop up more and more in the cards as well so there's definitely some through lines that are being followed here but we just aren't really being given all of the information right away, which to me now makes this card game much more interesting. I liked playing the card game. I helped train for it. I don't have any packs myself, um, but now I am definitely curious. It's got my interest peaked to see what they're planning on doing and what you're supposed to gather from this rise of the floodborne. What are we going to learn? You know, it's, uh, well, Disney is famous for storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's literally their entire business model is we're going to tell a good story and we're going to sell you that story in different ways. So, I don't know. I mean, a lot lot of this article is speculation and some of it seems like it's a stretch, but they could be onto something because one of the things they even admit in the article is, we don't know what order the events are happening are the cards the lead up to the event are they things that are happening after the event which cards happen in which order trying to piece the storyline together of what's actually going on and we do know that disney is famous famous for easter eggs um oh yeah and not only in their animation but i'll never forget before uh galaxy's edge was when it first came out galaxy's edge had so much more of an immersive experience and one of the things you could do was if you got a Jedi holocron, you could also buy kyber crystals. And the holocrons originally were designed to give you some, you know, whatever. If you bought a Jedi one, it was going to be a Jedi speaking, a Sith one, a Sith. But if you change out the kyber crystals inside of the holocrons, all of a sudden different voices would come out of them from different characters within the series. 
Uh, no one told people that. No one. There was no explanation. There was no writing on the the box. Oh, if you get more kyber crystals, you can do this. Just someone plugged in one from their lightsaber one day and realized that change. I always have loved that concept, and I feel like this kind of follows in that same line of thinking. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We're we're gonna see. I never noticed the crystals on those cards until it pointed out in this article. Right, I've I've played the Shield of Virtue card many times. It's actually kind of useful in the game, at least in the starter decks. And I never really paid attention to these three crystals on the outside of the shield, uh, or or even saw that there was realized there was a crystal in this in the middle of the steering wheel from the the steamboat pilot card as well. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It was like. But you could have heard a pin drop in this room as we were both like trying to absorb everything that this article was speculating. Like, what is happening here? What is going on? And where are these Easter eggs too? And okay, let me let me shift the topic just a little bit though. How do you feel about the animation style that they used in those videos? Because there's been more and more videos coming out where it used, and it's like it's animated, but it's really a still image, and mm-hmm. then they move the framing around it to make like it's moving. Yeah. But it's not actually being animated at all. And I feel like these videos from um, the trailers for, for Lorcana were a little bit past that, where the character moved, but it was very, I don't know, almost like, it was almost like, stop motion animation without there actually being the stop motion part. It doesn't feel like Disney. These animations, I if you tell me, hey, this is a Disney animation, I have a certain mindset in my head. Maybe not Pixar, but like I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be spectacular. Disney animation, it's going to look great. I watched this, and it just looks like they got to the still art process where they were working through like the concept designs, and they said, oh, that's good enough, and... Just put it out there. I kind of felt the exact same way. Yeah. I had expectations for animations from Disney. And and I realize these are probably made by Lorcana, who is uh, on a smaller company than Disney, obviously. Yes. But you think Disney would have thrown a, a few bucks their way to be like, okay, if you're going to make an animation, you got to make it worth the, the Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I kind of had that thought too. Yeah. I absolutely had that thought of like, or did somebody at Disney's in 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 you know brand control would have been saying, "Hey, we're Disney. You got to you got to punch this up." Yep. If, whether whether Disney helped and loaned some people to make this happen, or they they kind of collaborated, or I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm kind of surprised that these animations made it through that Disney filter. That's fair. If you want to come in and actually check out these cards yourself, guess what? Red Raccoon is still selling singles of, of Lorcana. So you can come in, you can check out some of the cards. You can even get your own deck. Um, I think that um, we we sell them at a pretty reasonable price, and you could actually... But you can't get a whole deck. Oh, you we can't, still don't have any decks. You could buy we, the singles to build one up, yeah. though, correct? So we're, we're, and as we're saying this on Wednesday... Or on Sunday, this upcoming Wednesday, we have another Learn to Play event mm-hmm. that's coming up with the last of the the Learn the Starter decks that so we're doing that. So you'll get a deck there, and then we have a Lorcana draft coming up on Sunday, October first, and this is an attempt for us. 
we counted exactly what we had left. We can do one draft and then some product better show up or we're going to barely make it and crawl through to set two arriving on time. Uh, because the, the, the wave two product we were promised to get in September isn't coming till October and nobody can say exactly when in October it's going to show up. So, but we're going to do this draft to get more packs into people's hands. Everybody will, that does the draft will have four more packs to keep trying to find that card, build that unique, unique deck, modify their stuff. We're trying to get product into people's hands as, as we can. So, and for the learn to plays, do they need to have a deck to begin with? Nothing. They're, they're going to be handed a starter deck. We're going to teach them how to play using the starter deck uh, for the learn to play events. Perfect. So they, we only had, well, last time I looked, there was six seats left. So that's Fill Wednesday up. the 27th is the learn to play event. And then the draft is Sunday, October 1st. And there's only 24 seats because that's all the product I have. I, don't, I can't do a bigger draft than that. So you can sign up online. You can call in and sign up. Or you can come into the store where the first thing you're going to see is the new hotness. Yes. Hotness. I didn't realize we had a new theme song for hotness. the hotness. Apparently we do, and we're going to be hearing that a lot now. I'm going to expect that every time we record, Jamie. I hope you're happy with your decisions. <laughs> I don't know that everybody wants to hear me do that every time we record it. I have spoken many times that I'm going to start a, an album. Hey, I want to give Jamie a shout out, though, speaking of before we go into the hotness, because so yesterday I said that we were at the day of play in Uptown Normal, and uh, Nicholas came up to me with his family. They usually come in on either Friday nights or Saturday mornings. And uh, he told me, he's just like, you know, I got to be honest, I am really enjoying the podcast because he drives a truck. And so he's always excited for Mondays because we're, we dropped the new um, podcast. And so he can download it, listen to us while he's driving a truck. Aww. So that's, I just thought that was fun. He's like, he really enjoys them. And it's a good way to, for us to, he, he, he just kind of feels like he's got a little in touch with some of the stuff going on because we try to talk about the articles Sometimes we just nerd out about stuff. We do. We, yeah, but but we also try to talk about articles like what's it like from the store perspective. What what is this like in the as a game store? Because every other podcast that's out there, every other video that's out there is from the player's perspective, from a game reviewer's perspective. We're trying to talk about it like what's it like from the store's perspective. Exactly. And well, I don't know that anybody else has a podcast that, from the store perspective. That's one of the reasons I came to you and asked to start this is because I looked and I couldn't find anybody else doing this approach. So if it had just been a couple more white guys talking about board games, we probably wouldn't have been doing this. But because yeah. of the unique experience that we have, especially at a unique store like Red Raccoon, I definitely wanted us to, to get that information out there. But speaking of games at Red Raccoon, let's talk about some of the new things on the new hotness where you can find Point City and Kites, which we discussed earlier in this episode. Uh, one thing I want to immediately pop out is Star Wars The Clone Wars. Yeah, so that's not a new game. It's a game, it actually came out in early 22, late 21, early 22, but it like immediately sold out. Mm. And then we couldn't get any more. And so we finally got some back in. So we, I just threw it in the new hotness saying, hey, you probably didn't even see this when it came through the first time. And so we finally just got some more. But it's built on the pandemic engine. Yes. Yeah. That's so, one of the things I wanted to talk about. Yeah. So you are 
uh, you know, obviously pandemic, famous, uh, one of the great classic games, cooperative, where you're trying to stop virus outbreaks from destroying humanity. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, I tell people when when you buy pandemic at the base level, expect to lose 40% of the time. Yep. And then if you decide that you get to the point where your group is good enough at it, you want a bigger challenge, you can crank it up and then you can say, okay, now we're going to lose 50% of the time or 60% of the time. But when we win, it's going to be amazing, right? So Pandemic is this this powerful engine, and we've seen a lot of games over time. There was a Cthulhu, the rise of Cthulhu, Pandemic. There was a there was a really cool um, Roman version mm-hmm. of Pandemic. There was one set in just Spain called the Iberian oh, uh, version of Pandemic. Yeah, and it was uh, that one's only dealing with the Spanish flu outbreak. There's also the Legacy Pandemics that I'm told can be soul crushing. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I got halfway through Legacy Season 1, and it was crazy. And so this one is the Clone Wars, and you are trying to stop the spread of the robot armies, right? It's, it's The separatist playing. movement. Yeah, you're trying to... Uh, so it's you with the, the main characters of the Clone Wars. So you've got, obviously got um, Anakin and Ahsoka and Obi-Wan with... You know, General Cody and and Rex, uh, Commander Rex, and all those guys. I think it, I think that's the right names. Mm-hmm. Now I'm all of a sudden doubting myself. But you're trying to stem the spread and and trying to fight back against it. And so you know, looks pretty cool. Which you know, if you had made this game whenever the Clone Wars, the whenever the prequels really came out, I can't say that it would have been much of a success. But now with the Clone Wars animated show, with Ahsoka, with all of this deep lore that we are now, the fans of Star Wars are getting into, this game actually excites me. Because yeah. now I can visualize what the Clone Wars are. you caught up on Ahsoka? Yeah. So good. We're going to talk about that afterwards. We don't want to so do spoilers good. here. No, no spoilers. No spoilers on here. No touching. Uh, so speaking of Disney and Star Wars, we have a few new releases in the Villainous series. Yep. Uh, we have the addition of, I think it's, I forget who all is in the new Disney one. So... This box is an introduction to evil is actually a simpler starter version of Villainous. Oh. The original Villainous box had six characters in it in order to get the price point down to say, hey, here, you know, have a little sample. See if you like this game. Check it out. Um, they've, they've fixed and streamlined a lot of stuff from the little original box, but now it only has four characters in it. I see. And so... Um, it is also so it's cheaper. It's um, they fixed a bunch of errata that they've they've had to do since they've made all these additional releases. So if you have ever wanted to understand what villainous was about, they fixed all the problems and they made it a lower price point. Yes, but you don't get six characters; you only get four characters in there. It's also branded with the Disney 100 logo on there because this is the they're celebrating 100 years of Disney animation, and there are a few um, Easter eggs in the box for people who are collectors of Disney memorabilia stuff. Gotcha. Uh, you'll also find in the Star Wars realm of villainous uh, Boba Fett is now one of the add-ons to get. So mm-hmm. therefore, if you like the new Streamlined Villainous, there's still other expansions that you can be getting on there to add to your game. Yeah. And Disney Dixit while we're at it too, right? Yes. Dixit is an amazing family game. 
I've taught it to so many junior high kids. It's a game of imagination and uh, what better game for a Disney crossover, right? Mm-hmm. So, because I don't, I don't know if this, Dick's at one game of the year or not, but it certainly has won like so many family awards over time. Yes. Um, have you ever played Dixit? No, I haven't gotten a chance to. Oh, we should try that one time because you need a, you need you can't play Dixit two people. You've got to have minimum of three, but I think you really want Dixit with like four or five. Okay, I think that's where you want to be, and it's just this great family game of of and there's some social deduction and bluffing going on as well, and it's it's interesting too because Dixit was the first game that um, you know you're. What you have to do is you have to take one of your cards, give a clue about what your card is, and then put it face down. And everybody else also picks a card from their hand, thinking that it matches the clue you gave, and puts it face down. You you shuffle all the cards together, and then you lay them out, and everybody votes on which one they thought was my card, the original card. And if you're too vague and get no votes, you get zero points. But if you're too obvious and you get all the votes, you get zero points. So you need somewhere in the middle where you can't be just completely blatantly obvious uh, about what the card is. you got to be somewhere in the middle there to get some points. And then, but if, if, um, if John, if the card you picked was good enough that a couple of people voted for that, you can also earn points off of my cards too. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I like that idea that you can't be so blatantly obvious. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you get zero points. Absolutely. Now, new in here, right next to from is from Smirk and Dagger is Tesseract. Yes, which I've been hearing so much about. Yeah, this is a brand new one. So we we really like a lot. Smirk and Dagger's really been on a roll. I really enjoyed um, the spill, and then of course Boop is from Smirk and Dagger. You've talked about Boop so much. Yeah, and we the Halloween Boop is supposed to be on its way, but Tesseract is this really interesting dice drafting game where you put all the dice on a central pedestal and you're trying to you kind of roll all the dice and drop them into this thing and it makes a cube it sounds a little bit like fuzzies actually when i'm describing it but it's with dice and so then you're trying to get the dice out of this with this drafting mechanism that they do to fill in your player board and you could spin this thing and rotate it look at it from all the sides to try to get the dice that you want but every game's different just depending on how the dice fall into this cube so we got the regular version and we got the Kickstarter Deluxe Edition version, which they said, what if we made the dice really nice metal dice? Oh, and metal dice. metal dice. And metal they're dice. so nice. They're so nice. So that one's there too, and I'm really looking forward to getting that one on the table. I also see Moon is on there, coming from the same uh, genre of villagers and, uh, is it city? Streets. Streets. That's what I was looking for. So it's very much an engine building game where basically you're trying to kind of work your way up and it has the Valkyrie expansion. Oh, another thing I was going to say, Smirk and Dagger, you told me the other day that they're making a ex- uh, new expansion to Night Cage. Yeah. Night Cage is creeptastic and they're making an expansion yes. to it, right? Night, uh, Night Cage is so fun because it's, it's you only have and you only have so much candle, you're stuck in the dark, and then you realize you're not alone. Yeah, so you're trying to find your way out cooperatively. You've got to find the keys and the gates and everything to open stuff up. 
with knowing that you're not alone in the dark. I, there's so many cool things you could do with expansion. I can't wait to see which way they go. Yeah. Uh, I, I We don't know when that's going to be coming out yet. That was just yeah. announced. But New I thought expansion I for Happy Little Dinosaurs. Yes, which are uh, Anna, who is currently, I can see through the window, putting down chairs in our play space. Yeah. Uh, super excited about that. I immediately, she is a huge fan. I saw her last night. The first thing I said was, Happy Little Dinosaurs expansion. And she said, I absolutely love it. She's already played it. Um, she had it. She bought it the day we got it. Yep. Took it home. And said that now there are uh, hazards instead of catastrophes coming. So hazards can be good or bad, but it kind of sets up a precedent for how you play throughout the game determines if it's going to be a good or a bad thing. So definitely adds a new element to that. Yeah. There's uh, another one that's in here that's kind of a fun family game is Snorta. So Snorta was originally a card game that got re-implemented into a bigger board game box called Chicken Cha-Cha-Cha, okay. which is, again, it's hugely popular with the junior high kids. They, they love it. And, um, you know, but then it got discontinued and we couldn't get it anymore. And uh, one, of a, one of our regulars that comes in is also a volunteer with a lot of uh, the junior high or even elementary school game clubs here in town. And so he he came he was super excited and he came to me and said the original guy got his license back and Snort is coming back out and now it's back in the small box card game form, so it's a lot more affordable again. But just a great family game of barnyard crazy. So worth checking out, especially if you've got younger kids, you know, kind of uh, older maybe older grade school to junior high age kids in, at home you want to play with. Gotcha. Now, Jamie, how long is it going to be before I come to your house and see the new Icons of the Realm adult lunar dragon model that's currently on the new hotness? I have a weakness for dragons, You man. do. You There's do. So I've dragons. seen it. Um, I'm going to run out of shelf space. More shelves. Uh, Solutioned. Uh, yeah. Well, because this is a big one, and it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's um, but like last night, right? The, the staffing is over there, and somebody is like, "Is that the Charbonne Dragon?" Right? That was from Icewind Dale. I'm like, yep. "Yes." And the Tiamat's there, and you know the Elder Blacks and Blues, and yeah, there's so many, so many amazing dragon sculpts that are out right now. I I don't have every dragon. I do have the Sapphire and Emerald um, as the new Psionic dragons from the Fisbins Book of Dragons, but I don't have every one of them because I'm. I am running out of shelf space of where I'm going to put them. And, um, you know, part of being married is cooperating in, with your wife and or your partner. And um, I can put dragons in my office mm-hmm. at home, which is down in the basement. And I can put dragons upstairs in the kind of the game loft. And, and that's it. And I'm running out of space. If only you had bought a store where you could just hang dragon heads wherever you want. I mean, if only you had a location like that. I did. I really <laughs> wanted to take, we have a fireplace in you, and I really wanted to take the red dragon home and hang it over the fireplace. And she was like, absolutely not. You are not putting the red dragon over the fireplace. So if people wanted to come to the store and help uh, get you enough money where you could afford more shelf space in your <laughs> two locations for dragons, uh, what days this week would be really good for them to come in? Well, like I said, we've got the Learn to Play Lorcana on Wednesday and the draft on the following Sunday. Uh, just pick what you want to do. There's so much stuff going on with every night. You know, the our 40K group is popping off on Fridays, and there's just a bunch of really great people playing. We just had an amazing Age of Sigmar tourney 
and the, the Sigmar folks usually play on the second and fourth Sundays. So I think Sigmar is growing again. Do you want to play? Um, uh, you know, do you want to play My Hero Academia on Wednesdays or One Piece on Tuesdays or or do you want to play Digimon on Saturdays? I mean, it's you know, just go to RedRaccoonGames.com and click on the calendar to see all the stuff that's coming up. But don't forget to get your FlatCon tickets because FlatCon yes. is, like I said, what are we two weeks away from FlatCon? Yep. FlatCon is two weeks out, and it's board games and RPGs and minis games, and there's there's so many cool geeky vendors that are going to be there. Uh, just like you know, one of my favorites is always go uh, you know check out the uh, oh god I'm dropping their name it's rusted I not rusted root that's a rusted icon rusted I'm totally dropping their name now but they make um, they make they're the people who made the glass the laser etched glass red raccoon glasses we have they always oh. have they use they've got a really awesome process for laser cutters and they always make the the coolest stuff and I always want to go see what they got at their booth um, every year. I end up going home with all this stuff. And like, okay, now I gotta. I'm running out of shelf space. I gotta stop buying stuff. Because, <laughs> but um, you know, there's a couple of places that make these amazing pixel art where the the little um, plastic pixel beads, mm-hmm. and they make eight bit characters, characters out of them. So yep. cool. I've got a Dalek and a uh, Tardis and a, uh, a Robot Man somewhere. Um, at home, that are Cyberman. Cyberman, yeah. Okay, that's like a Robot Man. Yeah. Don't remember that. From yeah, <laughs> too many margaritas. Last week. <laughs> so um, yeah, so make sure you get your your tickets to FlatCon because we're two weeks out. I think it's twenty five bucks, thirty bucks for the whole weekend, and it starts Friday at two and then goes to eleven o'clock each night. So Friday two to eleven, Saturday eight a.m. to eleven, Sunday eight a.m. to five. I think it goes. And it's just always such a great time. It's like five or 600 people. It's not a massive con, but it's just fun. Yeah. And it's like going in, it's almost like going and seeing family and hanging out with family that you like to hang out with, right? Yes. Not, not going to a family reunion and seeing that one jerky cousin that you picked <laughs> on you when you were a kid, but going to see the family that you like to hang out with. So, so if you want to avoid family drama, definitely attend FlatCon and, and create a new family just for you yeah. and your interests. Uh, but with that, our episode comes to a close. I'd like to thank the staff member, Jamie, who joined me today. And if you want your chance to talk about your tabletop game with them, come and find them at Red Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois. I want to thank Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music, and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice, or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. If you throw the word podcast in the subject line, we'll do our best to give you a shout-out to the show. Also, if you want to have a little bit more of a conversational talk, but don't necessarily want to come all the way out to the store, join us on Discord. Red Raccoon has its own Discord. You can access it from the website. And we are happy to have a podcast channel there where we I post whenever new episodes are out. I actually think I forgot the last episode. That was on me. But I post all of the articles whenever the... Uh, the episode drops so that you can go ahead and uh, read what we were talking about. You'll definitely want to check out this Lorcana one. Um, but also Jamie and I are both in there. So if you ever have any questions, comments, concerns, or criticisms, throw them out there. We want to hear. We want to listen. We want to make this a better experience for you, especially those truck drivers out there that uh, look forward to Mondays. Yeah. So, just And just, you know, here's a fun one, right? Let us know, like, when you're listening to the podcast, what are you doing? Are you working out? Are you doing chores at home? Are you driving in the car? Tell us what you do. Where do, where do you normally listen to the podcast? Because 
we know that there's somewhere between 80 to 100 people that listen to every episode of the podcast. We don't know who you are or what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know that there's some stores, some other stores that listen to our podcast because I get messages from them occasionally. That, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I know there are stores that listen to see what we're talking about and what we're paying attention to. But just, just drop a note in the Discord. Tell us what you do normally when you're listening to the podcast. They hear our Lorcana woes, and they're like, yeah, I get it. I know what you're talking about. Because yeah. I know that when I'm listening to the podcast, I am normally doing my household chores, right? I'm normally mm-hmm. folding laundry, doing dishes, picking up, or working outside in the yard. That's my podcast time. And I just, a lot of people rock it out when they're doing that, and I'm usually trying to catch up on, on my podcast listening. And I want to tell you, uh, as a podcast listener myself, I always wish that I could actually have conversations with the people that are on the podcast. We want to hear from you. We want that conversation. Come on the Discord and talk to us. We want to hear it. So until then, though, keep playing. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.